Okay. Since everybody is quarantined and meet and greets aren't happening on any level, we thought it would be fun to reflect on some of our past meet and greets with famous people and bands because we've been very privileged to be in a line of career where we get to meet some of our favorite people and we get to help others meet their favorite people, which is really fun. Actually, maybe that's what we can talk about too because we've both been in the part of the radio industry where we have been there for the moments where fans have won the opportunity to meet a band that they love. And I think that that's even more joyous for us to watch that than us meeting people we like. Yeah, for sure. The perks of the job, not just to be able to meet these people, but to call you know listeners and say, hey, you just want to meet and greet with Rush. Right. Somebody, and they, you can hear them in their voice, like complete <laughs> enjoyment and satisfaction of being in disbelief. Right. It's so good. And I love being there for those moments. Like you, especially still in promotions, have been able to walk people back to meet their idols and herd them into and out of meet and greet lines, which are sometimes over sanitized. But I go back to one of our favorite meet and greets was probably meeting garbage at the pageant. Mm -hmm. And that was like 2012, 2013. And you and I love butch vig yeah the sound city documentary just came out and yeah. he was on that to help produce that album that went along with the documentary well and he produced nevermind well sure and so, so that's why he was helping out with a few songs for dave Grohl. right and so then we got to they did a sound check party type thing where they played a few songs for listeners and then they did the meet and greet after it was so cool i've loved garbage since i was a kid so meeting shirley manson was like otherworldly to me because she's just so beautiful and so cool. She was quite lovely, I remember. And the way that that meet and greet happened, there were listeners and fans and there were people from The Point and other stations that were connected to that meet and greet. And we were all on the floor of the pageant and it was very organic. It was like, you know, nobody was shuffling you along to meet them. They were just kind of going from group to group. Yeah. And it was so neat to talk to them. And I purposely wore a Nirvana t-shirt because I wanted to have any sort of Nirvana talk with Butch Vig. And we never really did talk about it, but I did tell him how big of a fan of that record I was. And he was very gracious in taking that. And I asked him uh, what it was like to work with Paul McCartney because Paul McCartney's featured in that documentary, you know, so... And he was like, uh, well, you, you know he's a superstar, so it's pretty easy to do because he's a Beatle. Like, man, just the idea of producing a song that Paul McCartney is on just would be so career-making. Yeah. You know? I've noticed this about you. This is how it was when we met Lady Gaga's dad, Joe. This was last year. And Joe Germanata was part, he was doing something with the food renovations that was happening at Hollywood Casino Amphitheater. And they did like this whole media day where all of the radio stations and TV personnel came out to hear about the new features of that amphitheater and how they were going to have vegan and vegetarian options and were doing more recycling. And it was really this green initiative. And there's new cocktails and new Sundays that you can buy and drink in the lawn. And Joe Germanata, Lady Gaga's dad, is there. And I'm like losing my mind that he helped 
create this human that I love so much. And so I'm standing around. He's kind of doing the thing where he's talking to people about the food because he owns a restaurant in New York City called Joanne's, which is based on his sister who passed away. And if you remember, Lady Gaga had that whole album about her aunt that she who she never got to meet. And she was really channeling the spirit of her aunt and, and the grief that her family felt. And so her documentary, Lady Gaga Five Foot Two, had come out that I believe that previous year on Netflix. And so I got to kind of see Joe Germanata in a different, I got to know him a little bit more through that documentary. And so I was very starstruck with seeing him, you know, we're kind of floating around, like I'm trying to piece together what I'm going to say to him upon meeting him. And here you come, you're, we're together because we're at the media thing together. And uh, you and Joe like kick it off, no problem. And I'm just like a, you know, type one weirdo around him, but you and Joe, like he wanted to talk to you. He knew your name. Well, he he had the chicken uh, with another chef that they were doing. So they had a very successful um, chicken sandwich shop in New York that they were putting in all the Live Nation venues. So I was, we obviously got samples and stuff. So, and it was really good. And so I was talking to him about it and he was like, I could tell happy that someone was like really interested in the sandwich part of stuff where i was like well so it, it tastes so good how do you guys like keep that taste consistent through everything and he's like well we actually i don't know what he said they fry it and then they freeze it and then once it gets to the venue they have to do another flash fry or something like that so and then at the end he was like yeah good to meet you tim oh and i was and so you were, jealous like, pissed was I was so mad so yeah you're you always have a way with people at the meet and greets that is and I don't know if you purposely do this or not babe but you you always have something like the Paul McCartney question to Butch Vig like I kind of get I, I don't even know where my head goes to some of these meet and greets where I go I want to appear calm and collected and professional to these people but I also depending on who it is have a really hard time getting my brain on straight to have anything poignant to say to them. And you don't have that. Yeah, I mean, I like to hear something other than what you're going to hear them say in regards to, you know, a normal uh, conversation, you know. You're cooler than me. I wouldn't say that. (laughs) No, I've been lucky enough to go to uh, a lot of meet and greets and host them as part of a representative for the station. So it's definitely one of the biggest perks of the job to Mm. be able to get your picture with somebody that you know is a legend in the music industry do you remember a specific fan experience that was incredible like i think the latest one i think i remember you telling me about was um the guy who is a veteran who or maybe he no he's still active military right and he went back to meet shinedown because that was his favorite band and, and he was getting ready to get deployed again. Oh, yeah. He was on his way to go fight for our country. And Shinedown guys were complete gentlemen's of being, like, the nicest dudes and thankful to be able to uh, shake his hand and stuff. Mm-hmm. So those are the cool stories to hear when the artists are really intrigued by the person they're meeting and kind of uh, reciprocate that excitement. Right. Gary Sinise... When Lieutenant Dan Band came through, he has the Gary Sinise Foundation. They basically raise money for wounded veterans and help them help them in life, basically. So he visited the station with a, a local veteran here, Lieutenant Corporal uh, Todd Nicely, who's like a quadruple amputee. Wow. And so just hearing his story is amazing. And then why I bring it up is because uh, when they're doing this kind of media tour, 
Gary Sinise, when you ask him for a photo, you know, normal people are like really excited to see it movie star like that right he uh pulls in lieutenant corporal todd nicely with the picture so it's not like he's not stepping to the side to be like oh it's gonna be right gary sinise and me he's like he's bringing in this wounded veteran because he's like he knows this is why i'm here this right. is the purpose oh, of what that. we're doing yeah he's an outstanding human he really is and an incredible actor mm-hmm. my favorite type of uh listener experience was when sammy hagar would come down to the powerhouse you know, we would try and keep it on the DL. Even though Sammy was coming, was in town, and everybody knew he was in town, there are certain people, certain listeners who understood that Sammy's probably going to stop by Casey if Casey isn't broadcasting out at the amphitheater and doing it that way. And I just remember Carrie Zelly and I, who used to do promotions for K-Hits, he and I had the outstanding honor of creating some sort of diversion in the back area where people, because we knew people were going to try to go back there and see Sammy. Back. As like the sneak in spot for yeah. Sammy. So we had to go back there and like take all this, you know, fake police tape and like rope it off where people couldn't come back there. And there was still a guy who was crazy. He had all of his Sammy records with him and he, he knew what was going on. And so he was back there like hiding and he jumped out right as Sammy was walking into the building and Sammy was gracious enough just to sign the records and send that guy on his way. But there was like 20 people standing and waiting for him out in the front, you know, but this one guy knew that he (laughs) knew what to do and went around to the back, the secret door back there. Yeah. To see fandom like that is so fun. And I think it's, they tell you like never meet your idols and you and I have met plenty of people that we respect and have had, mainly great experiences. Like I can't really say, everybody asks like, what's a person that you met that was a total dick? And it, there isn't one. I, I haven't had that experience yet where I'm like, wow, that person's a total asshole. And I am, I'm never listening to their music again or never watching anything from them again. They've always been top of the line, normal people, professional, sweet, charismatic, like every, nobody has disappointed me yet with who they are. I think the, uh, being able to work point fest or something like Pig Roast, where there's like a lot of bands on the bill. You do see that from some of the lower bands that, <laughs> you know, think that they're there and they aren't there yet. Right. I, I wouldn't say any of them have been like mean or even disrespectful or anything. They're just not as warm as the guys that have been doing it for so long. Right. Last year at Pig Roast, we really wanted to interview Slash. And we've you and I have gotten to meet him before, like whenever Slash and the Conspirators came through the pageant in 2012, I think. He was down with meet and greets and met everyone and everything was good. But I almost feel like since Guns N' Roses have gotten back together and have gone out on the road and are doing things, I think that he maybe feels a little bit more like his game is up even though he's been at that level this whole time like even before Guns N' Roses got back together in 2016 and so that was kind of disappointing but I also just thought okay you know he's a huge rock star and if he doesn't want to do something he's not going to do it but and we still got to see him in concert and we still got to see him in concert and it was amazing yeah so who out of all of the people that you have met either with me or without me who has been like your top faves Jimmy Fallon, for sure, is up there because he is exactly like on TV as he is in person with fun and warm and nice and... And Tall. Yeah. The story with that is interesting. So Jimmy Fallon, before he... He had just announced that he was taking over The Tonight Show. And you and I used to watch Late Night with Jimmy Fallon all the time. And 
we loved him. And anyway, I kind of started this reputation as being a Jimmy Fallon fan and everybody knew that I like was in love with him and blah, blah, blah. He announced that he had the Tonight Show and then he went on tour with these kind of under the radar comedians that were touring around, you know, it's like a Jimmy Fallon presents these, I don't even remember who the comedians were. It was Nate Bargatze, Nick Thune. Wow, you're good. And then there was one other guy. Well, because I remember the two; those two guys still have some solid careers. And I, I don't remember the other guy, unfortunately. Well, we had already gotten tickets to this because we just wanted to see Jimmy Fallon on the stage at the Peabody at the time. And Darren from Peabody was like, texted me. I remember the day of, this is when I was working mornings. You were working normal people hours till five. We're living in Maplewood. I get a text from Darren that says, hey, do you want to meet Jimmy Fallon tonight? And I'm like, what? And he goes, yeah, you have to be here though in like an hour and a half. And so I remember calling you and being like, you got to get home because we're going to meet Jimmy Fallon. This is amazing. And so we get there, we follow all the instructions. We are walking, we're getting walked by security backstage in the bowels of the Peabody, which was cool because I'd never done that before. All of a sudden, we see Dave, David and Katie Backus, St. Louis Blues, and we're like passing them up and getting taken to this little area where Jimmy Fallon's dressing room was and he was in there. And so I decided to bring with me the Casey Coffee Table book because I wanted to sign it because I knew he was a music fan and I thought he'd get a kick out of knowing that Casey was the longest running rock station and here's all the careers that we helped break in the 60s and 70s and I signed it like congrats on the Tonight Show Love Learn and I had that in my hands and so we get in there and we get to meet him first before the Backus family like we're crashing David Backus's meet and greet with Jimmy Fallon which who knows that could have just been he was the only one I don't even remember if there were more people there that were meeting him it was just David Backus and his wife right because they were giving Jimmy Fallon a blues jersey that's right he comes walking out he's extremely tall was not expecting that at all like you said so nice exactly who he is on tv took his time with us we were just newly engaged and um I was telling, I was like, I'm just in love with you. And you said something like, yeah, she was really, we took a photo with him and you go, yeah, she was really hoping just to get a photo with you and him. And he was like, okay, get out of here, Tim. And then he grabbed me and I was like, can I just like put my arms around you? And he he said, yeah, that's okay. And so I'm holding Jimmy Fallon and he's holding me and we're having this amazing moment. We had told him that we were newly engaged and he was like, congrats and was so happy for us. Started following me on Twitter, I remember. Yeah, that was cool. Our <laughs> good friend Todd Morgan took that picture, who was the house photographer, if you remember. Yes. So Todd was there to capture that. Oh, that was so cool. We've also had the pleasure and privilege of meeting many bands that we love. Our Actually, our first day of officially dating was August 22nd, 2010 at Rush. <laughs> where we got to meet Alex and Getty for the first time. And that was cool. And that was so cool. I, that picture I still remember, we both put our thumbs up kind of like in disbelief, like we're meeting Rush and <laughs> Alex is cracking a smile like he's getting a kick out of us like freaking it. out. Yeah, that was so cool. What was your first meet and greet when you started working in radio? Do you remember? I do. It was Joe Perry in the Casey Studios. That was my first holy crap moment where I'm like, this is the big league stuff here. So Favaz was interviewing Joe Perry. Aeros- this is that year Aerosmith came in town in 2008, I think, and it got rained out. And so Joe Perry and his wife, Billy, came in studio. Billy's like 
Drop Dead Gorgeous. And I told, I was working in promotions at the time and I told Favaz, I was like, I'm a huge Aerosmith fan. Like, is there any way that I can just help you in any way with your interview? I'll like not say anything and I'll just be, he goes, yeah, why don't you bring Joe Perry and Billy t-shirts, some Casey shirts? I'm like on it. So I'm there. This is when I was like platinum blonde and like cut up all my shirts and was pretty much looking like a hoochie. And uh, I walk in and I'm staying quiet and I'm in the back, you know, and I'm just, I have the shirts and Billy Perry is like, who are you? And I go, oh, I'm Lauren. I'm, I work in promotions. And she's like, you are gorgeous. And I'm like, no, this is amazing. And then uh, I give them the shirts and I had asked Favaz, I go, can I, can I get a sign, an autograph for my mom? I'm like this, I can't be in the presence of our band and not ask for an autograph for her. And he's like, okay. And so Joe Perry signed a t-shirt to my mom. That's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. I gave it to her and you know, she wanted to be in the studio. (laughs) She was like, how are you going to get me in that studio? I'm like, I can't, I can't even get myself in the studio. But, um, that was my first experience and they were so cool. And, you know, it's Joe Perry. You're looking at him going, I've been listening to your music for my entire life. And I can't believe it's like meeting a, um, imaginary friend. I just, that's the only thing I can equate it to. What about you? Who was your first? Mine was, uh, Jim Modulin, our, uh, video director at the time called me up and said, Hey, I need a hand doing some, uh, sound as part of an interview for the, uh, Keishu Museum that we're putting up online and uh, I was like alright let's do it and so it was at the pageant and I walk in I, I, I think I knew before going in but I, I go in and it's uh, Cheech and Chong <laughs> and they're doing their video with Jim and they were doing their tour at the time you know of just them two mm-hmm. and uh, I'm holding the boom mic it's just Jim there he's asking questions I'm holding the boom mic and <laughs> Uh, after they get done, super nice guys, after they get done, uh, Jim's like, you want to get a picture with them? And I'm like, "Uh, yeah, of course. And so at the time I didn't know that the the actual video camera could take photos as well. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't know that they were both simultaneously (laughs) worked that way. Like an SLR camera? Yeah. 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 So then that's the the picture that I uh, got with them. So it's like my earliest radio days. I love that. And they were they were nice. Were they stoned? Did they smell like pot? No. Hmm. We've both met Chris Cornell, and I remember him smelling like sandalwood. I met him on uh, the tour that he came through on his solo stuff when he was doing the acoustic stuff, and he played at the Sheldon. Yeah. I helped with that video before with Rizzuto, so I got to hear him uh, do some one-on-one talking with him, and then they did the meet and greet following that, So, and he was super nice as well. He was so sweet. He was so calm. Like, he had a very calming presence, I remember. And he was gorgeous. And you're just looking at him going, oh, you, you've you sang so many songs that are from my life. Like, our our generation of music where we were coming up and that music was new. And, you know, he still is such a huge voice in, our, in rock. And I think kids that grew up in the 90s and got to experience that as the first wave of music they loved have you ever met anyone else that has now passed i've well i've interviewed eddie money on the phone and so he's gone I'm trying to think of anyone else i got to meet 
Chester Bennington when uh, he was doing a tour with STP. They did a a cool sound check party thing for point listeners, and they did a meet and greet afterwards. And it was really cool to just meet the entire uh, STP band, but also with Chester Bennington, and also right. hear them play together. That was at Pops, but that was cool. That's cool. God, what a what a crazy blow STP's been having to take. You know, I mean, first they lose Scott, and then they not that in any way was Chester Bennington a replacement for Scott Weiland, but he was a well known singer who could do those songs and do them in his own way and well and you know it's just crazy that they've lost two lead singers I have never had an emotional response as much as I had with Gavin Rossdale and so what's funny about Tim is you've introduced me to every musician and man famous person that I've had on my on my walls of some kind like I mean I grew up loving Bush Gavin Rossdale was like my number one crush same thing with Brandon Boyd you know same thing with Jimmy Fallon it's it's funny that you've helped me with all these meet and greets over time because most of them are point artists or people that are affiliated with that station but yeah Tim calls me you're at Pops because Bush was playing at Pops that night and I'm practicing with the girls for El Monstero and you're you call me and you're like hey if you want to meet Gavin like we have like extra time and you could come down here and do that and I'm like awesome and so I drive over to Pops and meet up with you and uh, essentially I'm crashing your meet and greet with him too and um we're like inching towards him and I'm I like I am completely beside myself with the fact that here is this man who is beautiful and I've loved 16 Stone and Razorblade Suitcase. Those are my like top 90s records from Bush was one of the first bands I got into on my own. And so I get up and Robin Goodridge was also there so that they Gavin and Robin were the only remaining original members of Bush that were still touring at this time and uh meeting Robin was really cool as well and so I'm you know, meeting the two newer members of the band, meet Robin, that was cool. And then Gavin's at the end and I'm like, oh my God. And I'm talking to him about, this is before he and Gwen broke up. And I was like, I just love your whole family. And you have no idea, you know, like completely just telling him how much I love his music. And anyway, and he was so gracious and he was like, oh, that's wonderful. And all this, he's all British. And then we take our photo and then I have to excuse myself from because like after it was over I was just so flushed with emotion I have to excuse myself go into the pop's bathroom and I am crying my eyes out like I I finally understood what it was like for the girls who met the Beatles where they're crying and they're losing their crap like I knew exactly like it was just there was no holding that emotion back and it was so weird and I just felt like I was never supposed to meet him like it was almost too real to meet him and like, I, it was just still to this day, I'm amazed that that happened. And I had to leave. I, I I didn't even stay. I had to like, I left. I couldn't stay there. I was like crying the whole time. Well, and our good friend Greg Bow got the photos of you doing the interaction, but didn't get any photos of you afterwards. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> of you like walking the line and having, you know, like your right. in disbelief face. 
Oh, I was so beside myself. Well, then Brandon Boyd, Incubus was playing Point Fest, and they did a meet and greet, and uh, you were just inside the doors backstage there, and they had just finished up their normal meet and greet that they do, mm-hmm. and Brandon Boyd came walking over, and I, I don't remember what I said, but I was like, hey, this is Lauren, or something <laughs> like that. I I didn't know him, you know. I had right. not met him before. Yeah. And then you started talking to him for a second too. That was cool. That was like everybody from the station and people that are affiliated were just hanging out backstage, and they were kind of mingling as well. I remember DJ Kilmore. I was like, look at him, like so excited, and Mike Isinger walking around. Um, but yeah, Brandon Boyd. I told him. I said, hey, I have a, a tattoo that you. I have a drawing that you've done of an ohm. That was my first tattoo on my back. And he's like, how do you know I drew it? I'm like, well, I don't know, I said, but I'm pretty sure it was out of one of your first art books that you released. And he was like giving me kind of a hard time because he's like, I don't think I drew it, like kind of playing it off. But he was really sweet and had a fun demeanor to him, you know, very open. Yeah, we've been fortunate enough to meet a lot of bands and be lucky to be in this business that has allowed us to do that. Yeah. I, you know, this may sound like it's a bragging or anything. That's definitely not what it is. I think we know that we're, we, this is kind of, this comes with the territory of working in the media whenever you put on shows and try and give people, um, that one of a kind experience and you're just in the room and you end up having your own one of a kind of experience with it too. And, um, my favorite types of things are when the, when you were backstage and it's just very calm and there's no need to meet. It's just, it happens. Like I think about the struts whenever they were backstage and everybody's kind of just having a drink and just hanging out. And, um, Luke from the struts and his gorgeous girlfriend at the time are just hanging out and they come and sit down with everybody and they just want to talk about St. Louis or who we are and, you know, just, and no pictures are taken, no real experiences had. It's just living alongside these people and that, you know, um, I think what's fun about that is they don't have to come out of their dressing rooms and do that, but they, they do. And for the most part, I think they just are craving something new because all they see are green rooms and backstage uh, dressing rooms and their buses. You know, they don't see, they don't get to have that, especially the younger bands and people, they don't get to have that interaction with people their own age as much whenever it's not hyped up, you know, and people aren't like, acting natural they're too starstruck to focus well even like hailstorm when they came through this last time that was cool meeting them and seeing their setup and stuff and them being super nice and wanting to uh, get to know us and stuff yeah joe from hailstorm walks us back he asked he asked you me and bon if we wanted to go listen to vinyl and meet steve which was this amazing, <laughs> it was this huge, I mean, taller than me, opened up case that had a record player in it. And then it had uh, pull out drawers with the perfect lining of their liquor bottles that were in the drawers. So you could pull out like any sort of liquor that they had to do a shot out of. And then Joe, well, Hailstorm, they all go to record stores in the cities that they tour. And so he had just been to the music record store or music record shop earlier that day and had found all of these 80s albums that he was putting on for us and talking to us about and 
they name that thing Steve and it goes on tour with them so they can have that one stop party in a road case. Right. And it had speakers in the road case, like the doors swung open and there were speakers. It was really cool. Mm-hmm. I wish I had something like that. What's been a surprising meet and greet that you've had? Because I've got one. What is it? When we went to meet Nickelback. Yeah, I was going to talk about that. Yeah, that was very surprising. We, I wouldn't consider ourselves Nickelback fans as far as like we don't follow their music, but I'm not We anti. know their music. Oh, yeah. yeah. And not anti-Nickelback. Right. But we got asked to go to the meet and greet with them. And these guys are top-notch professionals that are super nice. Yeah. And we're genuine spending time with. And they had a little set-up room kind of like... Uh, you know, other places that have, you know, food and drink and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, and they invited us back because that's, that was the first year John and I had the morning show and we were spinning whatever new single I think was, uh, Oh man, what was the song? Oh, it was a good song. I'm gonna was look it, up on my uh, Burn It Down Burn from it down. Transformers soundtrack or something? I think it was. Yeah, that's a hard-hitting song that... Yeah. They're, I mean, say what you will about Nickelback. They know how to put out a hit <laughs> that will energize you. And I don't think it's very fair that they get the rep that they get all the time. You know, sometimes it's fun, but... Their show was impressive, too. It was too. sold out! And that was the Scott Trade Center. Mm-hmm. It was huge. I mean, they had, you know, floating stages... I still remember they had, uh, as part of their catwalk on the sides that kind of went by the seating area and split the uh, standing room only floor, Right. they had uh, what appeared to be that they would be playing and then, you know, they'd walk up to, you couldn't really see it because it was part of the floor, right. and then they'd walk like 10 steps or so and it, they would be walking in place, basically. I remember thinking like, that's, what a cool idea. They'd be playing the guitar and... Looks like they're walking, but they're not. They're like on these treadmills that are just kind of spaced out hmm. on the catwalk thing. Remember Chad Kroger was dating Avril Lavigne on the DL that night? And the news hadn't broke that they were seeing each other. And I remember John, nosy-ass John Hewlett, is, Chad Kroger is talking to him. They're talking financial stuff, of course. And then Chad Kroger gets a text from Avril, and John just happened to look down and saw who he was texting somehow and asked me, he was like, Oh, he's texting Avril Lavigne. And I'm like, what? And then the next day we talked about it. And I guess nobody knew yet that they had been dating. I think they were married even, or maybe they had just gotten, Hmm. I don't know, but it was interesting that here you have two musicians that are pretty well known. That was the same tour that Bush canceled because that was when Gavin Rossdale and Gwen Stefani were having issues and Bush bailed on the that specifically hmm. the St. Louis stop because he went home to try to fix things with Gwen. Interesting. Look at that. I would have not gotten to meet Gavin had they not Yeah, that's good stuff. Um surprising people. I was working the uh front desk in my part-time days. And didn't know that this person was coming in. And, you know, the sun's shining through the door lights at Emmis. And I see this big figure come walking through. And I'm like, that kind of looks like, like, that's Hulk Hogan. (laughs) 
<laughs> and he walks up and, uh, you know, typically someone like that would just be like, hey, I'm here to see somebody. Right. And he stuck his big hand He's over. He's like, hello, brother. Yep. He was, <laughs> hey, brother, how you doing? I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> I met Lou Ferrigno and uh, he was fun, speaking of Hulk. Uh, and uh, he came on the show with us and he, I don't know if this is on air or off air, but he asked me, he's like, you got kids? And I was like, no. He goes, you're married? And I said, yeah. He goes, you going to have any kids? And I said, no, I don't think so. And he goes, well, you need to get on it if you're going to. He's like, how old are you? And I, you know, I was like, I'm 34. He's like, oh, you better get on it. I'm like Lou Ferrigno is asking First me. First questions out of his mouth. For real. And he was like, you could tell that he... I don't know. He, he, I could tell that he thought I was cute and he wanted to know if I was married, if I'm going to have those babies. He was quite disappointed. I felt that we did not have the babies yet. So <laughs> I don't know. That was, uh, I was getting, I get, I get hassled by everybody, but I'm like, Lou Ferrigno, really? Um, man, who is, I'm trying to think there has to be somebody surprising. Roger Hodgson was fun whenever, uh, John's a huge Super Tramp fan, and so whenever Roger Hodgson was doing like one of his first runs at River City, Carl, John, and I went and did the stage intro for him, and then we wanted to meet Roger Hodgson before the show. And so I, you know, I was just kind of along for the ride, and I had this big faux fur coat on because it was winter time. And here comes Roger Hodgson in this amazing white three piece suit, and he's lovely, and he's British, and he comes up. And uh, John and Carl, like, jump at the opportunity to talk to him. And, they're you know, John's telling him, like, how much Breakfast in America, like, it's meant to him and all this stuff. And John's kind of fangirling out, which was fun. And Carl, you know, knows everything. So he's rattling off things. And I'm just kind of in the back, like, with my coat, talking to other people that are, like, his tour manager was there. And I was talking to her. And then he comes up to me and he, like, tells me that he loves my jacket and then everybody wants to photo. And so Roger Hodgson like grabs me and puts me next to him. And um, then he's like, oh, this is lovely. And wanted to know who I was. And I said, oh, I'm a part of the show too. And I didn't really have anything to say because I'm not like a diehard Super Tramp fan. But anyway, he's he was very patient with everybody in our different ways and then we told him that we wanted to talk to him on the radio the next day and if he wanted to call in and so he did call in and Carl had answered the phone and he asked he goes uh is Lern there and John and I were down the hall doing production so I ran back and talked to him real fast on the phone and he was he just wanted to thank us again for meeting him and wanted to know if we were coming back for the second night and stuff and it was really sweet well, and then he sent you guys a little picture, too, right? Well, River City did that. Oh, okay. Yeah. But that was really cool, too, to have that. My biggest uh, claim to fame is the Rock and Cholesterol yes. um, Casey Classics show, <laughs> where I was, when I was working part-time, I was one of the drivers that were going to be taking bands from hotel to Jefferson Barracks. Right. And uh, so... I mentioned earlier, Greg Bow and I were doing a dry run of route we would take to get to the hotel, basically. Like fastest route. Yeah. And so I'm driving one of our Jeeps station vehicles, and uh, 
we're almost we do the the run to Jefferson Barracks and we're almost out of back onto the highway and I get pulled over mm-hmm. and I get a ticket for speeding and then I get a ticket for not having my insurance card on it <laughs> because I was in a station vehicle and just didn't have the actual copy right. that I would normally we're have. We're punk ass twenty year olds, right? So I'm thinking, man, what a terrible start to the day. Right. Two tickets on one thing. And uh, so later that night, it's the it's the Friday night because it was Casey Classic Show with Blue Oyster Cult. And I was tasked with picking them up and taking them. So right. I go and pick them up at uh, um, their hotel, drive them out there. They do the show and I'm in this... I don't know, 15 passenger van, and it's the entire Blue Oyster Cult guys. Freaking Buck Dharma. With a couple girls, too, you know, with their girlfriends and whatnot. And so I'm driving the same spot. I get pulled over with Blue Oyster Cult in the van. <laughs> what are they saying to you as you're getting, as the. They're like, oh, oh, Tim, here we go. Because <laughs> by them, you know, they had known my name. Right. And so the the cop comes up to my window, and I'm like, "What's what is it now?" And that kind of not necessarily. I didn't say that, but that kind of tone. I'm like, "What now?" Right. And he goes, "Oh, you were speeding through that. It's a 35, and you're going 45 or something like that." And I was like, "I literally got two tickets this morning for speeding in the exact same spot." <laughs> well, you didn't learn your lesson, Tim. That's exactly what he said. Yeah. And so uh, I I was like, I'm just trying to get this band back to their hotel thinking that oh this guy might be a rock fan and right. he would let me off and um i was like so i'm just trying to get this band back to the hotel do you know who blue oyster cold is <laughs> and he's like no and i was like you don't know rock or he, i was like you listen to rock music and he's like yeah i was like then you don't know rock music if you don't know blue oyster cold <laughs> what and are the, they saying? the guys in the back the Blue Oyster Cult guys were like, hey, hey, whoa, Tim, whoa. Tim, Tim, that's okay, man. It's okay. <laughs> so I ended up getting written up for a ticket for speeding there. He let me off. He was going to give me another ticket for not having my insurance card on me. Because I, I was in a different vehicle. Right. You're just stealing vehicles left and right. So that was the, the fun. I got three tickets in one day. One with Blue Oyster Cult in the band. You should have had them sign the I know. ticket. I should have. By that time, I was pissed, though, with three tickets. <laughs> Bella Villa, I think, is where the city was. Freaking Bella Villa. <sighs> I'm trying to think of what else we can talk about. Because we've... I mean, we've pretty much... The highlights The highlights have been a lot of fun. Hmm. Yeah, thanks to our bosses that oh, have yeah. let us be in those positions and... I said earlier that the the best part is contacting and seeing fans do the meet and greets too. Yeah. I um, well, I'm thinking about people that I've interviewed. You know, my first in person interview was Don Felder of the Eagles, because everybody before that I interviewed like Gene Simmons and Nikki Six and Tommy Lee and and Wilson. I. I had interviewed a ton of people on the phone, which is not my favorite type of interview because it just, you can never hear the real voice of those people. It's always, you know, screwed up through the telephone line. But my first in-person interview ever by myself was Don Felder of the Eagles. And he could not have been better at just 
taking it in stride that here I am, this 20-something person who is doing her best to be not intimidated by a former eagle and, you know, who wrote and is single-handedly responsible for Hotel California. And he was, I just remember, very... uh, he just had the wildest eyes like looking at him. He was he was somebody who had no problem making eye contact with you and like could look through your entire soul and freaked me out big time. <laughs> and how did the interview go, do you think? I think it went okay. It was on video and I probably need to go back and watch it and I just remember thinking to myself, you know, there were certain things that we couldn't talk about because it was there were emotions that ran deep with the Eagles. He was not a part of the band anymore, and I didn't want to step on any you know nerves with what I was talking about. But um, you know, he came, he went out that, and I think that was a uh, he was an opener for might have been a Sammy show. Like he was. No, just I think I think it was a pig roast Chicago foreigner type show. Really? Yeah. I don't remember who else was on that bill. Anyway, but he goes out there and he kills it. Sounds great. Who's on your list of your most desired mm. meet and greet? I want to meet Jeff Lynn of ELO. Big time. I've gotten to interview Bev Bevins from ELO on the phone, but that's not good enough. Um, you got to speak with him. I did. And he wrote Mr. Blue Sky. So he's kind of a big deal. Um... Dave Grohl. Oh, my God. Yes. I was lucky enough to, uh, my boss now, Matthew Chambers, his wife, they got me hooked up with the producers of Lollapalooza and Austin City Limits, so I got to attend a few of those to work as a uh, producer as far as doing some media area stuff for them. Mm -hmm. And Foo Fighters played Lollapalooza in 2012 or something like that. And the closest I got was a picture of the band, specifically Dave, about 10 feet away from me, walking onto the platform to go go to stage. So cool. And it's a blurry picture, but I was like, man, the one time I could have taken a good picture, didn't get it. (laughs) But he would be a fun one. He would be. He just seems so fun, down to earth, and normal. Yeah, I, I mean... Spoiled rotten is what we are. And it's so cool that even in the Midwest, our stations are huge for artists to come through and they want to actually work with the radio station and do things that are these lifetime experiences for fans. And, you know, I think adds to the clout of on-air personalities and creates memories of your career and makes everything worth it, makes all the crazy days worth it for sure. But yeah, so... Those are our meet and greet stories. I'm sure we left one out that we'll have to do like a part two, but it's been kind of a fun thing and we miss concerts so badly. I think that's kind of on the top of everybody's mind starting to be summertime and people are missing the music and being around people and the possibility of meet and greets. And you know what? I think that maybe hopefully in the future, everybody will miss each other so much that bands will want to do, they'll of course be more sanitized, but They'll want to connect with their fans more than ever whenever things get back to normal. And that'll be really fun. Who's, uh, you said Dave Grohl's yours bucket list person? Yeah, he'd be up there for me. 
Yeah. Any Beatle would be cool. Oh Paul McCartney God. would be. Paul McCartney is the coolest guy I've ever <laughs> seen. He is so cool. I would almost feel like Jerry if I didn't take my stepdad to meet him. Then that would be a waste of love <laughs> because Jerry is the person who introduced the Beatles to me. Because I like he's just he is the Beatles. You know, that music reminds me of my stepdad so much. We've been blessed in this industry to be able to to do things like that. So it's fun telling the stories and sharing the stories with listeners and fans and stuff. It is. All right. We're very thankful for our weird lives that we have. It's fun to reflect on them in these times and just be grateful for every memory we have. Well, thanks for being on the podcast, babe. You're probably going to be my guest like every two weeks, so... All right. I guess figure out what you want to talk about on the 6th. We'll see what we can do. Okay. Stay well, everybody. Thanks Love for you listening. Guys. Love you guys. Love you guys.